This is an SJC Radio production. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist. Fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Welcome to this WEC special edition of Pitstop, uh, joined today by my brother Stephen and by Joe. As we know, Joe has discovered the WEC and he wants to know more about it. So, Stephen, can you just give us sort of a summary of what the WEC is all about? Yeah, okay, so um, WEC, well, the Jewish Championship is um, for what I would call the long form of racing. So that's. Um, races of a minimum of six hours and anything up to 24 hours and it's for a category of car called sports cars now sports cars is a fairly vague and sort of all-encompassing term but um my definition of it is generally that it's got at least two seats and enclosed wheels so that can encompass anything from sort of sports touring cars uh to gt cars and then anything up to the sort of ultimate sports prototypes which is kind of the ultimate derivation of, of two seats and, and four wheels um, and what I like about sports car racing is that generally you've got three or four classes um, all racing on, in one race so it's really three races in one all racing at the same time all racing on the same track and that's where the magic happens and generally because the races are of a minimum six hours long you see the race play out over the course of an afternoon, and and uh, and you see you see the race develop and ebb and flow, and and it's that part of it that I find I find absolutely uh, absolutely fascinating. Um, and there's been there's been a World Endurance Championship in in sort of various forms going back all the way to the 1950s, um, where you had a sort of series of classic races that were sort of grouped together to form a, cha- a world championship. Um, and then many of those races are no longer run, but classic races like the Target Florio in Sicily, um, they just became too dangerous to run. But um, uh, it's got a long history, um, uh, some, you know, periods where it's been sort of very, very good and very strong, and some periods where it's been a bit weak, and then some periods where there hasn't been a championship at all. So it's it, it's ebbed and flowed over the years, and if, if you follow it for long enough, you, you sort of, um, uh, you, you sort of follow, follow its fortunes. But um the moment i think you've joined it at the start of an absolutely golden period this is this is a great time with, to be with the hypercars with the hypercars yeah uh, and with the manufacturers and i suppose primarily with ferrari coming back because ferrari last competed as a works team in 1973 that is 50 years ago and they last won at le mans in 1965 so you know for them to be back and potentially if they won this year that would be 
well, I never thought I'd see it. I never thought I'd see it. Mm. It's absolutely magic. Joe, what, what piqued your interest in the WEC? Was it the fact that I said I was going to Spa and sent you the link, or was it something else? Yeah, I think that's what originally got me interested in it. I thought, oh, well, if you're going to watch it, I can definitely dip in. I, I knew it was going to be six hours. So I, I think I went into it thinking, well, I'm not going to watch all the race. I'll watch maybe the highlights. Yeah. or I clicked on the link, uh, and I think I watched maybe... Hmm, it's hard to say in laps. <laughs> maybe about half an hour. So probably about, yeah. what, maybe... 40 laps probably well probably less than that they're, they're all thereabouts yeah. and um i loved it i thought it's great i love the mm. three uh, i think it's three classes yes it is three it's got the gt yeah. the lmp yeah. ones although we'll talk about this later but i'm a little bit confused about the lmp1 seem to be going next year or the lmp2s went last year is it something through that right the the, the lmp2s are are going next year and there so, were LMP1s last year. Yeah, so, well, no, actually last year, it was, it, last year was Hypercar. Um, this is the third season of Hypercar. Before Hypercars, the top class was LMP1. Um, however, 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 you got, um, a, last year was a mixture. They were all called Hypercars, but you had a mixture of grandfathered LMP1s. Right. So turned down and you had the new hypercar so although it was hypercar class it was actually a mixture of two now they've now gone for this season the grandfather university are purely a class of of hypercars but within the hypercar class you've got actually different hypercars you've got hybrid and non-hybrid you've got the true le mans version of hypercar and you've got the american version of hypercar called gtp so it's still a bit of an umbrella it's still hypercar which is quite is more straightforward to follow but there are within that different subgroups of hypercar and in theory they're all they're all balanced to the mm. same performance so really you can have a mixture of things and they should really all perform in theory at, at the same level but because it's early days yet that hasn't quite played out but um it's i think they've done a pretty good job so far so at, at the moment joe yeah there are three classes next year it'll just be two classes it'll be hypercar and there's a new uh to gt3 um class so that the the lmp2s are going but the, i think they're going to race at le mans next year uh, the, the gte ams are going and they're being replaced with gt3 cars so so basically two classes next year yeah and the reason for that is because there aren't any grid spaces with it with so many hypercars coming on stream there aren't enough slots on the grid generally they run to about 38 cars and there just isn't enough room so so lmp2 the class that is getting is getting ditched but in fairness a lot of those lmp2 teams are becoming hypercar team like, hypercar like Jota. teams anyway yes. like Jota, for example exactly right um like uh wrt of course they they will be uh bmw hypercar next year uh, and even prima are they not part of the lamborghini effort next year nick i, I think i'm they not are. sure I, and you've got alpine and of, course, of course and of course alpine of course will have their own hypercar so actually a lot of those teams apart yeah. from united and who knows what they're going to be doing um, are going to become a morph into hypercar teams anyway, so it's kind of a natural progression. And and the LMP2s will still be the lead class at the European Le Mans series, the Asian Le Mans series, so they still get guaranteed entries for next year's Le Mans. So the class still exists very strongly, just not at WEC. Yeah. What's happening next year then? So this year we have hypercars, GT Pro, is it GTM, GTM and LMP2, and then what's going to yeah. be next year? Yeah. Uh, 
Well, I'll answer. Next year, they're they're phasing out uh, what what was called GTE AM, which is um, a, quite an advanced form of GT car. There's only really two or three manufacturers mm-hmm. sort of active in that, or maybe three or four manufacturers. They're now changing to GT3, which is a, in theory a, a more cost-effective class. You've got a lot more manufacturers entering, uh, or able to enter. That is um, to the point where they're only going to limit it to two cars per manufacturer. So um, whereas now there's sort of no limit on it, um, but there aren't that many cars um, because generally GT racing is going GT3. The WEC is following that, and again, there's going to be limits on. To two cars per manufacturer entering because you're going to get a full group of GTs. So that's in itself going to be interesting uh, who's chosen and, 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 and that sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, all, all change for next year. Yeah, it's going to be um, a slightly different looking grid for next year, mm. uh, which will be exciting. Uh, to continue with the WEC, uh, we, we do a thing on this podcast, which a long time uh, listeners would know. Um, we talk about first and last. Uh, so I'm going to ask both of you first off, which what was the first uh, World Endurance Championship ring you've uh, watched? And then what was the last World Endurance Championship you've watched? And do you have any plans in the future to watch any more? Steve, uh, you go first with your yeah, first okay. one. Uh, first one for me was uh, the Brands Hatch 1000 kilometres in 1983. Uh, that was uh, that was my first season of really following, following World Endurance and I get managed to get to a race that year. And the most recent one is will be the same as my brother's, which is um, the Spa Six Hours, uh, well, three or four weeks ago. Can we go back to the, your first one, eighty-three yeah. Grand Sats? Just yes. what do you remember about 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 going there and the event? Anything? And it's a long time. Yeah, uh, it was. Well, I, I was, I was, I was, I was beyond excited to be going because I, I really got into to the WEC uh, about six months before and. So I, I, in a bit of the Formula One, I was really, really excited, excited to go there. And I remember we, we, we Dad and I went uh, and we, 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 we camped the night before, what, the, in the, uh, the evening before we camped over. And we walked into the circuit and I can remember going, walking sort of opposite the pits. And it's sort of, I don't know, it's sort of starting to get dark. You know, the, the pit garage lights are on and I can hear the sort of the chinking and the clanking of the spanners in the in the garages, you know, they're working on the cars, you know, all these Porsche 956s, like recognizing the colors and everything. It was just, I was blown away by it, but I was so excited. Um, so that's kind of the impression I had the night before. And then on the day, it was a wet race. It was mm. a classic wet race for pretty much all of it. Um, and that wet race turned into be a bit of a classic because it was, it was a win for, it was one of the few occasions where the factory Rothmans Porsche team were beaten fair and square and they were beaten by the um the j david john fitzpatrick porsche 956 driven by john fitzpatrick and formula one driver at the time up and coming formula one driver Derek warwick and it was a bit of a day of day for him he kind of i think on that day for me warwick's abilities really came to the fore i realized just how good he was mm. as a driver and um and they won that race fair and square um it was just a brilliant race uh, a real variety of a, a, a field or all, all the classic group c cars of that early period were there yeah it was just a brilliant day i thoroughly enjoyed it thoroughly enjoyed it my first uh wet race was the following year again it was the brands hatch thousand mm. uh so that was 1984 what do i remember about that i remember it being i think it was hot it was um 
I remember the race was completely dominated by the Canon Porsche 956, driven by Jonathan Palmer. It must was it Jan Jan Lammers? Jan Lammers, yeah, that's right. He was. That's right. We actually left slightly early. I remember. I think probably because it was very hot and, and the race was so hot. It wasn't the yeah. most exciting uh, Group C race. Um, and yeah, that's all I can remember really. Um, that's right. That's right. We did leave. We we, had, we actually took some friends with ours, and I think they were getting a bit sort of. They weren't really a bit bored, so we, we sort of left early for them. But, but it was pretty much a foregone conclusion, wasn't it? So, yeah. but it was a monstrously hot day. I do remember that. Yes. Yeah. I mean, in, in terms of Joe, our, our last race, of course, it was the Spa six hours, which we, we, which you actually we, we, we talked about before. Well, I, I watched so, that on uh, YouTube. One thing that I'm really enjoying about WEC is maybe about a week or, or so afterwards they put it up online. Mm -hmm. So although I've got Eurosport. It's then great that I can yeah. watch it on my computer when uh, you know, I'm not busy and things like that. I just think that it's great for the for the sport. Yeah, yeah. As you say, because I've only watched about just under four hours of it myself. I'm still I'm still watching it in sort of sort of half hour segments. Mm. So I haven't actually got to the end of it yet. So uh, no, I'm, I'm I'm with you. About a week later, put the whole thing on so you can follow it. Yeah. In, in, in no, it's great. You got Eurosport because the Le Mans coverage is is amazing. Um, all the practice sessions. So the practice sessions are it's Wednesday, Stephen. It's, it's Wednesday and Thursday, isn't it? Wednesday, yeah, Wednesday and Thursday. That's right. Friday is uh, no action uh, or no no um, uh, action for the main class. I think there may be the odd the odd thing happening on track, and of course the rest of Saturday. Yeah, qualifying uh, Wednesday and Thursday. Yeah. Well, yeah. But the good thing is, Joe, they've got about there'll be about four hours of coverage on Wednesday and Thursday. Right. All the all the practice sessions are shown live on Eurosport. The coverage is, right. is is fantastic. That's right. Uh, well, out of the all the races you've been to, do any stand out? And then for what reason? Um, I, I I'm going to go first on this. I, I've been thinking about this. Been to many WEC races. For me, one that stands out is the 1985 Silverstone thousand kilometers. That would have mm. been my second WEC race. Um, what do I remember about that? It was just a very competitive race. I remember that the opening laps, again, I mentioned before, Jonathan Palmer in the, the Canon Porsche 956 stormed to the front. We, we were watching at the, the Woodcote grandstands and, um, you know, he came through the field, lots of, you know, dramatic overtaking maneuvers into, into Woodcote. Um, I think the, the factory Porsches probably fell back a bit. They came through the field, the Lancers, which I think were leading at one stage, they sort of conked out. Um, but it's a really eventful race. There's also an issue in that race with Porsche 956 shedding wheels. Um, but I just remember it being a very, very competitive race. Unfortunately, in those days, we weren't big fans of the factory uh, Rothmans 956 team because they, they tended to win most of the races. Yes, winning, that's right. We were rooting for the Lancers and it looked with a couple of hours to go as if Lancia were, were going to win. Know. I know. Unfortunately, they fell by the wayside. But but that race was just incredibly competitive and there wasn't a dull moment, I, I remember. There was lots yeah. of battle throughout the field. It was a good what one, about you, Stephen? Any races? Um, yeah, I, 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 I did have one written down, but I, I've actually changed that to... Um, to a year later, Silverstone 1986. Oh yeah, I wasn't at that one, yeah. Um, and that was because that was the first win for the new Silk Cut Jaguar team. Um, they, they'd entered it halfway through the 1985 season 
in their sort of lovely reiterating green colours. And then in 86, they, they'd come in the famous, the famous silk cut colours and they won that race. And um, it was just amazing. I, I, it was just amazing. The, the support from the crowd, uh, of course, that everyone was willing them to win. And the, the car looked great, sounded great. Um, and it had all, you had all the, the main players there, of course, the, the, the Rothmans, uh, Porsches. It was the last race ever for the Martini Lancia as well because uh, they pulled out after that race so um it was just a a fantastic field of cars but it was the first win for jaguar that stands out as a pretty magical day yeah moving on i mean uh you mentioned le mans already um steve remind me is le mans next weekend or the weekend after le mans is the weekend after so a week from uh today i'll be yeah. there so uh, and, and watching watching Wednesday night practice probably yeah. Right, so so Le Mans is is not this weekend, but it's next weekend. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Gosh, I didn't realize, gosh wow. Oh yeah, it's coming up fast. Wow. Um, what can we say about Le Mans? I mean, it's one of those strange things, Joe, where Le Mans being around at the WEC is probably bigger than the whole championship. Mm. If you said to any of the manufacturers, would you rather win Le Mans or win? The world championship i can guarantee you they would all say they'd rather win le mans um, yeah, i think that's right i think that's right and and, and le mans being the, the linchpin around where the championship has been formed and even when there hasn't been a championship there's still been le mans so sports car racing has really been through the lean years le mans has been the thing that's really kept it going and uh kept the manufacturer interest so le mans is the is the big one really and this year of course is the centenary event 100 years ago the first event so this year is going to be the biggest i've ever yeah. been to um it's, it's, it's a sellout. Going to be amazing it's a complete sellout yeah they're expecting sort of four hundred thousand people down there which is more than what than i've ever known um, yeah. so it's gonna be it's gonna be great it's gonna be great yeah so i mean as i mean what, what can one say about lamar well it's obviously <laughs> as the name suggests it's 24 hours um most of it joe is on public road right. so from from yeah i would yeah so, so most of it's from tetris all the way down to the Porsche curves and that's probably yeah. sort of 70 80 percent of the circuit is public roads yeah um, right. and it used to up until 1989 you had a three and a half mile long straight the Molesound straight and that was chicaned uh, the following year um so that's right well whilst we're talking about le mans and since we're doing yeah. an episode of pit stop i feel like it's only best only uh, appropriate to ask first and last le mans edition okay steve your 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 first uh my, 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 i'll go first on this purely because yeah. it works in ter terms of chronology it does um my first year joe was 1989 that as i said was the last year of the of the, of the mole sound straight um one of my memories of that event i remember being when I arriving at the circuit, just being unbelievably excited by everything that the sheer scale of the event was, was quite mind blowing. I couldn't believe I was there. Actually, that's the thing that struck me. I, I could not believe I was actually at Le Mans. I watched the start of the race from the yeses. Um, I tried to stay up all night. I thought, well, I'm going to stay up all night. The race was really good. Actually, there was lots of action and I I kind of did stay up all night. I remember sort of walking around like a zombie at about three in the morning. Unfortunately, the following morning, um, when I was sitting in 
on the terraces because I hadn't slept the previous night. I kept on falling asleep, you know, when your head drops and you wake yourself up because your head's dropped. And so I felt really bad on, on Sunday because I obviously hadn't slept during the night. Um, the race was, I mean, the field was was incredible, probably the best Group C field ever. Yeah. Uh, it was one by Mercedes. I think it was a Mercedes one too. But, but um, I'll tell you what, had the pink Yurst factory assisted Porsche 962 not retired, I think I think it might well have won. I can remember uh, in the evening being at Tete Rouge and seeing this incredible battle between the Mercedes and, and the pink Porsche. Um, so I think those are, yeah, those are my memories of 89. Steve, what about you? When was your first one? Uh, my first one was a year later, Le Mans 1990. Um, what memories of that? Uh, well, it was Jaguar win, something that I've always wanted to see. So uh, that the Jaguar's second win in, in, in three years. Um, we did the Page and Moy coach, um, sort of version of it. So you go down on the coach. Uh, it was, you know, pr- pr- pretty uncomfortable stuff, really. You know, <laughs> sleeping, in the, sleeping in the coach overnight was freezing cold. Um, uh, it was very hot. But yeah, it was just, it was a fairly basic trip for us. We, we could only get certain way around the, around the circuit. Um, but um, again, great field, great race, Jaguar win. Uh, again, like you, you couldn't believe you were there. You know, a race I wanted to go to for six or seven years and actually at last got there. Um, I'll tell you what, I remember that race was in the closing laps. Uh, Jesus Pereja in the Brun Porsche. Yes. Retiring with, with about five minutes right. to go. That's right. And he was in second place. Now, in those, so he, I don't think he was classified, was he? He wasn't, no, he wasn't. He wasn't, no. He, he, he didn't make the finish. So, um, yeah, heartbreaking, really. Caught him now to go and and you, you conk out right at the end. So, yeah, that was a heartbreaking moment for him. Yeah, yeah. And following on from earlier, uh, what was your favourite uh, Le Mans race that you've been to? That's, that's a very, very good question, Joe. Um, Funny enough, I'm going to mention the Le Mans, which for me, one of the best Le Mans I went to was the 1994 Le Mans. And the other thing about that, it probably had one of the worst fields because 1994, so we're after sort of the, the Group C era. Um, there wasn't a world championship either at that stage. And gosh, at the front of the field, we had a couple of Toyotas. Um, we had, that's right, Porsche uh, entered um, something called a Dower 962, which was a road going version of the, the Porsche 962. So it was, it was entered as a GT car, but it looked the same as a Group C car. Uh, and that ended up winning, actually. Um, but I remember, in fact, one of the Toyotas. Uh, I think was leading on Sunday morning and I think it had some mechanical issue and it, I ended up something stopping on the start finish rate. They eventually got it going again. And there was this amazing battle in the last few laps over, over second place. And I think I was standing the exit of the four chicane, which comes onto the start finish rate. And on the very last lap, um, whilst the bat markers were slowing down as they were crossing the line, we had the battle for second place came through the bat markers. Um, it was incredibly dramatic. So 84, I'll tell you what, it was boiling hot, absolutely roasting. I remember being in the grandstand, uh, Saturday afternoon thinking, blimey, this is, it was unbelievably yeah. hot. 
but really poor field produced a very good race and a very dramatic finish for second place so for me 94 Le Mans despite the poor field was one of the ones that 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 stands out in my memory anyway yeah yeah what's the forecast like for this weekend I presume it's gonna be pretty warm again well next weekend I, sorry yeah. I, I imagine it's going to be warm um the Le Mans tends to be either very hot or very wet yes uh, what, what about you Steve what what Le Mans sort of stands up I think up? for me um I think for me I'm going to say 2005. um well, that was hot wasn't it it was I, I think the reason I picked that one is because that was kind of the probably the zenith of my enjoyment of it really because after that I slightly fell out of love with it a little bit because it was just so hard that the, the camping and the you know it was just so hard you know I, I just came back exhausted you know his endurance his endurance test for the spectator for all spectator but I think the thing about 2005 I just felt like I was in the zone I just I just just, just felt this enormous sense of well-being being there and um uh mate Robin had his open top Land Rover so we were, we were, we were bombing around the place in the, in the Land Rover and the race was an interesting one in that um, the Pescarolo team were expected to win and probably should have won, but didn't. It was it was an Audi win, but I think it wasn't so much the racing side of it. It was more the more my enjoyment of the event. I think at that point it was probably as good as it ever got. Mm. And after that, I was sort of growing a bit weary of it, and uh, to the point where I sort of, you know, I did stop going for for a number of years. But uh, yeah, that was just felt just I was just I was just I was just in the zone there. Yeah, I just loved it. Yeah, I loved it. Joe, I've just realised, I think you asked us earlier, what was our first and last Le Mans? We only talked about our first Le Mans. We didn't talk about our last Le Mans. Okay, well, what are your most recent? So, obviously, Stephen, you're going... Well, my my most year. recent was... My most recent was 2015. So, I went every year from 1989 to, to 2015. I didn't go in 98. I regretted that. I didn't go in 2000 either. So I only missed two races in that period. Uh, 2015, what do I remember about 2015? Um, not an awful lot. It was a Porsche one. Um, I can remember being on the start finish straight Sunday morning. And I think one of the Audis, which might have been leading. No, no, I, I saw the change for the lead. That's right. Sunday morning. On the start finish straight i saw the Porsche take the audi for the leader of the race that's pretty much all i can remember about it the, actually funny enough joe i was booked to go the following year in 2016 but my parents got a new puppy and although i booked and paid to go it was the weekend they're getting the this golden retriever puppy and i thought oh i really want to see the puppy so i didn't go to le mans i spent the weekend with the puppy instead no regret that actually um in fact 2016 was the year when the famous year when toyota should have won um they hadn't won up up till then and they were leading with i don't know with, with not much of the race left and the car broke down on the start finish straight it's one of the most sort of um memorable Le Mans actually 2016 but but I, I chose not to go what about you Stephen I think your last yeah well, was it 2014 um that was the one that Toyota should have won but but didn't um I think for me well, that, it, it, hold on sorry 2014 uh 2014 yeah 2014 you saying Toyota should have won that one 
They should, yeah, because they were the dominant car that year and they should have won it and, and just didn't. Um, uh, I think for me, 2014, was, it, it was going to be the last one. Um, uh, the guy that used to organise the trip uh, in our little group, um, he had sort of retired and he sort of moved abroad and it was going to be his last one, it was going to be our last one really. So it was a bit of a... Um, a bit of a you know do it for you know do it for the last one i probably wouldn't have gone had it not been the sort of in the verticals the last one but um um and i think i enjoyed it i think i did enjoy it but at that point i was i was i was done with the lamont it was it was it was it was too much you know and, and um and actually that was the, the until this year that obviously that was the last one but it enabled me to do other races so um you know because lamont takes up your, you know your annual leave and all that sort of thing so not doing Le Moyne every year enabled me to do other races in other countries, which I enjoyed very much. So, yeah, it was memorable because it was supposed to be the last one. But of course, I'm going back again this year. So, yeah. <laughs> Looking ahead to this year's Le Mans, Stephen, can you tell us how you're doing it? Because you talked about how uncomfortable it was. Yes. This year we're pushing the boat out, actually, and we are glamping this year glamping so not not camping but glamping so the tents are all set up for you you have got to take any camping gear you've got you know all the all the facilities are all maintained and looked after you've got marquees to go into with big screens and you can get food and drink and it's just it's the perfect way of doing it really and i think had i not been doing it that way i.e going old school i may not have gone mm. so i think the extra the extra glamping is really what's doing it for me so i think i'll enjoy it because of that really i think yeah yeah so what would be your predictions for this year's Le Mans? well i would be very surprised if it's anything other than a total one two so yeah. i i can't see anything other than the toyota one two um yeah Steve, what about you anything to add agreed to agreed on paper it should be a toyota one two um and unless there's some sort of force majeure or or, or something, I, it, 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 you know. But you know, um, it's Le Mans; anything can happen. So on paper, Toyota, yes, but being Le Mans, um, I do. I'd love to see Ferrari. <laughs> I'll tell you what; I've got a prediction, Joe. I think Ferrari Ferrari will be on pole. Well, Ferrari, yeah. from what I've seen, seem to have the quickest car. Yeah, I mean, yeah. as we said before, they should have been on pole at Spa, but they got a. A penalty for exceeding track limits so i would expect ferrari to be on pole i expect the opening laps to be you know really interesting um and also because they, they, they they're not doing the um they're bringing in tire warmers for this race only so the disadvantage that ferrari have got by their not warming their being able to warm their tires up quickly will, will go because they're, they're allowed to use some um, pretty heated tires so that disadvantage is gone as well so if they can keep it reliable yeah they'll, they'll be in the mix yeah definitely. i think the interesting question joe is going to be who's going to finish third because i mean okay let's go for third place I, i'm gonna say i think one of the porsches one of the factory porsches will be on the podium simply because um the, the porsche they run by penske they got a lot of uh Le Mans experience so i would fancy a Porsche to yeah. be in third position. What about you, Steve? What are your thoughts on that? I'm going to go for Cadillac. What I saw at Spa, I'm, I'm going to go for Cadillac as uh, one of them being around at the end. Uh, I quite fancy them as a podium. What about you, yeah. Joe? What do you reckon? Well, I think Ferrari's got the fastest car. And I will, you know, if you've listened to the show before, uh, I always try and do something different. So I'm going to say a Ferrari win. 
Uh, yeah. Toyota's probably going to be up there as well, as well with a Porsche. Yeah. So, so you're saying a Ferrari win, Joe? Yeah, just to try and do something different. I think deep down, well, I probably recognise that Toyota will probably win. But I think to- uh, Ferrari win is a ridiculous thing to say. No, it's not. It's not. It's not. It would be amazing if the hundredth Le Mans, sorry, the hundredth anniversary rather of Le Mans Twenty Hours was won by a Ferrari. That well, would that be, be that would be amazing. That would be amazing. And I, you know, to be there to see it would just be the best. Yeah. After forty years of watching sports car racing, that would be a real pinnacle. So, Joe, my advice to you, next Wednesday, tune into Eurosport uh, probably late afternoon. The coverage will be, it'll be about four hours of coverage on Wednesday, about four hours on Thursday. Saturday and Sunday will be, they, they cover the entire race. So, um, yeah, I, I, and I think you you seem to be already bitten by the bug. I suspect by the end of the race, Joe, you're going to be, a, you know, a hardcore... Weck fan, Stephen made the yeah. point the other day. The only problem, Joe, with this is once you've been bitten by the Weck bug, it doesn't leave you. Yeah, I think it, I think you'll you, you, you'll always you'll always be a fan through through the, the thin times, and there will be lean times, um, and the good. You know, it, it'll always be with you. Yeah, I mean, we've, I've been watching well, it forty years, and I'm still I'm still a a massive fan. You know, I still like it as much now as I did then. Yeah. On the subject of you saying that, I mean, Stephen was right in saying if you look at the history of the WEC, it's, it's always been so very much up and down. There's been some years a lot of manufacturer interest, then they tend to leave. But actually, with this current um, sort of hypercar format, it's designed to keep the cost down and also designed uh, to, to make it very competitive. So yeah. there's a greater chance looking to the future that we won't have sort of hopefully you won't have any sort of dips boom and bust yeah it should be more sustainable i i agree i agree yeah excellent well i'm sure we'll we'll speak again about the uh, le mans afterwards yeah well i think we'll get Stephen back on Mm -hmm. um after le mans and he can tell us all about it and 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 joe i think what will be perhaps even more interesting is 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 listening to 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 what you thought about uh, le mans i've still got a few Um, questions uh, so I, I hope yeah. you don't mind me pestering. Uh, next yeah, please do, yeah. Well, I'll probably get some more as well after Le Mans. Yeah. My last question, sort of just, just to finish up on, is is there something that me and the listeners should be looking for uh, this Le Mans race? Should be looking out for at the SCS Le Mans race. Um, mm. Interesting question. I think it's, let's have a think. Are we are we talk, are we are we talking here to people who perhaps haven't seen Le Mans before, Joe? Yes, let's say that. So my advice to newcomers, my advice would be watch the opening sort of half hour, and then after that, I would suggest sort of dipping into it every I don't know couple of hours or so. See, that was my plan um, with the spa six hours. So I'll just I'll just watch yeah. the first half an hour over breakfast. Uh, and it turned out to be me watching the whole six six hours, not in one sitting. You get sitting. drawn in, don't you? Yeah. You get drawn in, I know that feeling. Huh? Especially the start of Spa this year was, was pretty interesting, wasn't it? With the, uh, it was, wasn't it? Yes, it was. It was. Those mixed conditions. Mm. Yeah, very much so. Very yeah. Much so. What, what I think, I think, I also, I think also, just saying, um, um, follow, follow the, all the classes, you know. So, yes, the top class is the one they'll be focusing on, but there'll be an amazing battle in LMP2, uh, and there'll be an amazing battle in GT. Uh, GT. So, Follow all three classes. Try and keep up with all three. It's quite hard to do, but um, 
you know, follow all three classes because they'll, they'll be interested in all three classes. Cool. So definitely watch the start. So dip in after that, Joe. Watch. I, I never watch too much of the night action, but I, I, I tend to watch an awful lot on Sunday. So I'll be getting up early Sunday morning and I'll be watching from, you know, Sunday morning to, to all the way through to the end of the race. Um, it's one of those events, Joe, and whenever I'm at Le Mans, my interest in the race increases as, as the race goes on. When I was there, I always found the first couple of hours almost irrelevant. Um, but then as it went on, I guess you got you have sort of stories, storylines develop amongst the three classes. Mm. Um, and for me, it just gets more and more interesting. And we're also very lucky as spectators because we've got the English language radio station, the very famous Radio Le Mans, which broadcasts on FM. So you've got we've got English language commentary throughout and, and, and the days leading up to it as well. It's um, it's become an institution. So that's why we can follow it so clearly, so closely, because we've got these these fantastic commentators that keep us posted all the way through. So uh, we've got radio plugged all the time and you can follow it. So that's what makes it, um, w- w- without it, it'd be very difficult to follow. Um, yeah. It really would. Yeah. <laughs> so, so lots to look forward to, Joe. I'm looking forward to hearing what, what you make of it. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you know and hopefully speak to you right. again soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Thank you for listening to this episode of Pit Stop with Mr. Bird. There's a few new things I want to make you aware of. We've got a new website, which you can find by going online to shows.acast.com forward slash pitstop, where you can also find links to our Twitter and uh, on the about page, more information about the hosts as well. We're also on lots more platforms in addition to where you're listening to us now. So we're now on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Apple Podcasts and Amazon Music and lots more, as well as TuneIn like we've been on since we started so head over to those platforms to subscribe on the most convenient one for you and find all our back catalogue of episodes to listen to again as well